get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Hello, everybody. TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara. On Twitter at AndyMC81, the show at TSN Analytics. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes on the TSN1050.ca show page as well. If you miss any of the episode or past episodes, folks, we are on William Nylander Wouch 5 p.m. deadline Saturday. So this is how we're going to do the show today. We're going to proceed as per usual, but if anything William Nylander related happens within our hour, then we are going to... Break it all and go straight into Nylander coverage, what the deal was, what happened, why, etc. And on TSN 1050, full coverage all day, 9 o'clock. It will be uh, Carlo Koliakovo and Matthew Cause, followed by Gareth Wheeler at noon, followed by Scotty Mack, then into the Leafs pregame show at 5, which again is the William Nylander deadline. Good show today for you. TSN.ca's Travis Yost stopping by in just a couple of moments. And from Hockey Graphs and The Athletic, Sean Tierney and special guest, Dr. Hockey podcast guy, Dr. Jay Calvert from out in Beverly Hills. Very cool dude. We'll chat with him. And then, of course, your NHL.com fantasy hockey talk with James Harding. But let's get to the man himself, TSN.ca's Travis Yost. Travis, hello as always, sir. How are you? How are you doing, Eddie? I'm doing well, man. So let's start with what we usually do in one of your latest pieces on TSN.ca. This week, one of the things you looked at was how teams are using forward depth to their advantage, breaking it down into the three tiers, the teams lacking forward depth, the middle of the pack, and the top teams that receive the most production from the bottom end of the lineup. So I want to know if there were any teams that surprised you when you sorted out this list. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, the bottom tier uh, was really interesting. What I ended up doing was looking at what percentage of goals were in a team's favor when their bottom six was on the ice. Um, so generally speaking, bottom sixes are outscored a little bit more than not. Um, but, you know, obviously there becomes a substantial divide when you look at a team-by-team -team basis. So, for example, Chicago, Ottawa, Edmonton had the three worst bottom sixes in the league. I don't think anyone would be surprised by any one of those three teams. Uh, the problem there, though, is their bottom sixes are outscored about 60-40 or even worse um, when, when they have their third or fourth lines on the ice, which is a massive problem. And it's actually, you know, from, from an Ottawa and Chicago perspective, it's not as interesting because those are two, let's be honest, they're, they're two non-playoff teams yeah. and they're both rebuilding and it is what it is. Edmonton, we've talked about at length because it's really the big reason why they're not in the playoff picture right now. Uh, but I actually think, to your question, the surprising results were on the other side of the spectrum. The two best teams, at least season to date, um, in terms of getting production out of their bottom six, have been the Toronto Maple Leafs, number one, and the New York Islanders, number two. Now, they're interesting for different reasons. The New York Islanders are interesting because they have some players down the lineup that were almost out of, you know, out of NHL jobs who have had massive rebound seasons this year. And I think the best encapsulation of that is Valtteri Filpula. Um, this is a guy who struggled pretty considerably in Philadelphia um, and looked like he had, you know, looked like he was in the twilight of his career. The Islanders grabbed him on, I believe, a one-year, a cheap one-year deal. And he's, he's, I think when I last looked, he's got about 17 or 18 points in 23 games. He's actually created a very formidable um, line on their third line. And, and the Islanders have gotten tremendous production. They have actually outscored their opponents when their depth forwards have been on the ice. So it, it's, it's tremendous and a big reason why they're succeeding. The, the Maple Leafs are, it's not, it's not surprising that they're at the top of the list 
per se, because we know we knew that when you add a player like John Tavares and you have the growth of a of an Austin Matthews and, and Mitch Marner, that you're you're naturally going to push some more talented guys down the lineup. Uh, so, for example, like Nazem Kadri is a phenomenal player. He is by definition a bottom six forward on this Leafs team. Why? Because there is so much talent in the top six that these guys are being pushed down into lesser minutes, and they are just eating opponents alive. And I actually do think this is an undercovered story a little bit in Toronto, to the extent that I think, you know, Tavares and Marner and Matthews and obviously Nylander, who hasn't played a minute, um, have consumed all of our coverage, and yet their bottom six, at least proportionally, has outscored the competition more than their top six has, which is tremendous. Um, and again, I think, the, I think the fascinating thing there is what, what do the Leafs look like in a couple of years, right? They've really reaped the benefits of having Marner and Matthews and Nylander and, uh, on, on cheap contracts, guys like Kadri on, on competitive contracts. You're, you're starting to see more and more of these players, not surprisingly, eat up bigger pieces of the salary cap. Can they afford to retain all of the depth players who are going to be coming due for raises, whether it's Kasperi Kapanen or, you know, Nazem Kadri when his contract expires, that, that is going to be a fascinating topic because it's the reason why they're a cup contender this year. But a couple of years from now, I mean, it's going to put more and more pressure on that organization to draft and develop in a, in a robust manner. Well, let's jump to the Winnipeg Jets for a moment here, Travis, because many just from the surface look and praise them for having such skilled forwards and depth there. But they've fallen into the average category in your piece. Did that surprise you a little bit that Winnipeg was, was just middle of the pack? Uh, yeah, it, it did a little bit. And, and I think we've seen from that team that they've been a little bit reliant on their on their big guns this season. I mean, freaking Patrick Laine, I think he probably scored a goal since I've been talking to you. The guy, <laughs> the guy, the, the guy has been automatic. And their top six is performing so well that we really haven't noticed that the depth hasn't really played nearly as well as they did last year. Um, it's, it's kind of a fascinating thing at the team level. Like you, it, there's certain players on teams that can really smooth over or band-aid a lot of issues so that when you're winning, which Winnipeg is doing a pretty reasonable job of lately, you don't really, you don't really know where, where you're weak unless you're really digging into the data. And in Winnipeg's case, their, their power players have really smoothed over some, some average, mediocre, whatever you want to call it, lack of or level of production from their more depth forwards. That, that is not a concern at all for the regular season. But, uh, again, we, we talk about the core five or six teams, Winnipeg, Nashville, Tampa, Toronto, you know, whatever that group is for you. The discussion is not, like, can you get into the playoffs? We know these teams are getting into the playoffs. They're going to have a home, they're gonna have home ice advantage in the first round. The question is, if you're Winnipeg, do you match up well with Nashville, for example? And if you're not getting fantastic production further down the lineup, a team like Nashville will eat you alive, right? And that and that that really becomes the topic of discussion, um, you know, on radio, uh, you know, in newspapers, or you know, most importantly, the front office of the Winnipeg Jets, because they're trust me, when they are looking at their pre-mortems and post-mortems of, of how their team is performing, the 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 question they're going to consistently come back to is, this is what we have, this is where we're good, this is where we're not. Is it enough to beat Nashville or insert you know elite NHL Western Conference team? And right now, I, I think the answer to that is no. You know, could could Winnipeg give Nashville a real series? Absolutely. But right today, Nashville would be the favorite in that series. And I think that and that alone probably keeps the Jets up a little bit. In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. Travis, you also took to Twitter to chime in on the Calder Trophy race. Now, based on a lot of the coverage we've seen in the league, 
seems like no one else except for Elias Pettersson has received serious Calder Trophy consideration to this point. You pointed out, though, that Brady Kachuk out in Ottawa has been at least as impactful, if not more so, than Pettersson. What have you liked about Tuchuk's game so far? So it's a, it's a really fascinating discussion because we, the media, did what we always do and award a trophy one month into the season. Right. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Pedersen and his and his agent were already shining the trophy. And none of this has to do with, I don't think Pedersen's that good. The guy is phenomenal. And in most years, he would be a shoo-in for the Calder. But if you look at what Brady Kachuk has done on a per-game basis versus what Elias Pedersen has done on a per-game basis – Kachuk has outperformed him. That's regardless of whether you're looking at how well the team scores goals when they're on the ice, how many points uh, a player has generated. Kachuk is scoring more individually, generating more shot activity in the front of the net, has a better on-ice goal percentage, and a better on-ice shot advantage when he's on the ice. He checks all four boxes head-to-head with Elias Pettersson. The the fair counterpoint to that is Pettersson is really the guy who's stirring, stirring the drink on his line not exactly playing with top-tier talent, and he's doing a lot of it by himself. Whereas Kachuk has seen some minutes with Mark Stone and has seen some minutes with Matthew Shane, and, and that and that alone is going to help carry a guy's numbers. But, you know, and this is a question there's no easy answer to, but knowing that Kachuk is playing with better teammates, that should not be a point in dispute. How much do you decrement his production? I, I don't know the answer to that, but at some point, if, if this holds up, Voters are going to have to decide whether a less a lesser productive Pedersen on a obviously uh, less talented line is more deserving of that trophy than a player who's really been the, the best producer of performance uh, amongst eligible rookies in Brady Kachuk. And I would be remiss to note that I could be at jeopardy of doing the same thing here, which is making it a two-horse race. And Sabres fans, for example, might say, Hey, by the way, we have a, a pretty talented Swedish defenseman who's also having a great season. So, again, not I, I, I'm trying to cast as wide a net as possible, but I, I do think we need to reset the Calder Trophy discussion. It, it was awarded comically to comically early, and it, it, you know we're twenty some odd games into the season now, and I think if you actually took a, a straw poll vote of, of who deserved that trophy and had everyone look at the numbers, I, I don't see how you get any. You know, it's going to be close to a fifty fifty split. Yeah, we got to hold off to at least past the Christmas holidays and get into January and then try to make a real run at it there. But uh, Travis, want to finish on this one. Out in Philly, we saw the Flyers switch things up a bit. Now, usually a team's struggling. They give the head coach the boot. But with the Flyers, they went and fired GM Ron Hextall. So strictly speaking of the terms on the ice, the roster, the product that we've seen on the ice in Philadelphia, how much work did Hextall leave behind really for the next guy to clean up before this team can really be competitive again. I got to be honest. I, I, I know the results haven't quote, but you know, haven't, haven't quite been there for that. This Flyers team this year, the roster is still pretty talented. And, and you got to keep in mind, Ron Hextall took off, took over a roster that did have some, some degree of talent. There's no debate, no debate about that. Um, but was absolutely mired in salary cap issues, right? That team was capped out almost comically. And I, I don't know that he did a phenomenal job of managing that cap downwards, but surely the Flyers are competitive enough uh, to, to at least justify that Hextall did a, at least a decent job with that roster. Now, ultimately, there's two things that appear to have undone Hextall. Number one, goaltending, and I, I think that's a fair criticism. As much as I think goaltending is almost impossible to pin down 
um, it, that that is kind of like the cloud that's hanging over his head. And it, unfortunately, when that cloud hangs in Philadelphia, it's much bigger than in any NHL market because of how many issues they've had with that. The other one uh, is just the reality of you're reading the quotes here and uh, hearing uh, you know the front office talk, and it sounds like he wanted to play the long game, hmm. and the Flyers got impatient. Whether that's right or wrong, I'm not sure. I would I would be inclined to give Hextall a little bit more time. Um, but they clearly wanted to expedite or accelerate things. I think the fascinating thing here is that, that people are losing sight of is they punted Ron Hextall under the premise of we're not moving quick enough, we're not improving quick enough, blah, 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 blah. You don't make that move unless you're bringing in a guy who's going to go out and buy some stuff up. And I, I think even though the Flyers are kind of in this unfavorable position in the standings, it would seem to me that the next general manager – is going to be a guy looking to build a team to win now, like immediately. And that makes them a fascinating team to consider from a trade perspective. Yeah, well, that's that's going to be something to follow, especially yeah, as a trade uh, after the season free agency, whatever. So we will track that. Travis, thank you much so much, sir. Great stuff as always. All right, man. Take care now, Andy. There he goes. Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Still no William Nylander news as of yet. 5 p.m. deadline. All-day coverage here on TSN 1050 on the William Nylander contract signing. Watch. We will step aside and come back with Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs and The Athletic. Coming up next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMCSports, and you can download the show on iTunes, subscribe and rate us there, as well as on the TSN1050.ca show page. We'll tweet everything out from the show account at TSN Analytics. That's TSN Analytics. All right, let's go to my guy from charting hockey, from hockey graphs, from all sorts of... Sean Tierney's on the line. Sean, how's it going, buddy? Doing well, Andy. How are you today? I'm doing well. And you know what? Let's begin with the Winnipeg Jets. And they've really rounded into form over the last week or so. Patrick Laine, who notched that that five-goal game earlier in the week. But the Central Division, it's home to some of the league's best teams. You have the Predators and Avalanche on top of Winnipeg. If you had to dissect that division, do you think it will be a clash of these three teams all the way through the regular season? Or will a team like Colorado maybe taper off a bit? Yeah, that's been a sort of an interesting division to track. Like you said, Winnipeg's been on the more of a tear like what we might have expected from them in the preseason heading into the year. They kind of sputtered around for the first month of the season. Uh, their expected goal differential, so looking at the difference between the expected goals they generate and the expected goals against that they allow, that's really sort of upticked as we move through November. And, you know, five-goal games from Patrick Laine will do a lot for you in that regard, too. Um, that division is kind of a funny one when you look at it all together, though. Uh, Colorado is kind of that one-line team, and it's a little bit difficult to figure out, are they the kind of group that's going to make a push as the season goes on? Um, you know, a couple of the teams that have been perennial favorites there aren't really a factor this year. Chicago's really dropped off. St. Louis doesn't look like they're ready to put together much. For me, the most interesting team in that division has been Nashville, and that's kind of a a Twitter thing that I've gotten into here and there as we've gone, Nashville's goals for percentage has been super strong all season. They've hovered around 55 to 58%, which is very, very good. 
but their expectation has been more like 50% based on the kinds of shots that they generate and allow. Um, Pecorino has been playing out of his mind this season, and that's been part of the boost they've had there. For me, I really expect that uh, you know Nashville might deflate a little bit going forward this season, and that makes some room for Winnipeg to make some hay and, and move up in the Central. In conversation with Sean Tierney from the Athletic Toronto, Athletic Chicago, Hockey Graphs on Twitter, at Charting Hockey. Sean, it seems like last year we couldn't go a week without asking one of our guests about the Vegas Golden Knights and their incredible ascension and run. This year, things have changed a bit with Vegas' slow start, so we just, you know, we don't care about them as much. But they've definitely found a groove as of late, and including the stretch in which they've won 7 of 10 games. When you look at the Golden Knights, do you see a team that is capable of doing damage in a weak Pacific division at the moment? Absolutely. This is one of my favorite sort of underdog sleepers to bounce back going forward. They've really embraced a, a sort of shutdown style, which maybe isn't the sort of fun Vegas Golden Knights that we fell in love with last mm-hmm. season. No team prevents shots against better than Vegas does at five on five. They're around 44 shots per hour that they allowed. There's no team kind of even close. Tampa Bay, Calgary, Carolina kind of hang out in their neighborhood. But Vegas has just been completely shut down in terms of not allowing, you know, sort of anything against. The big thing that's knocked them down or had been knocking them down prior to their run was just sort of underperforming their expectation. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury kind of started off slow. They weren't scoring on the chances that they should have converted. And so their goals for percentage right now is about 10% below what we would expect based on the shot quality that they're managing. So they're around 45%. You know, that's not going to win many games for you when you're there. But we expect them to be more like a 55% team. So You know, when you start thinking of that, you're talking Nashville numbers. You're talking, you know, top half, maybe top third of the league kind of numbers. So, yeah, for me, I'm I'm a big believer in Vegas. They're playing the kind of hockey that can win in the long term. As long as Fleury kind of, um, you know, sort of stabilizes and plays the way that uh, maybe not like he did in the playoffs last season, but the way that he still can, this is a team that's trending in the right direction, and I think they're going to make a lot of noise in the second half of the season. It's almost sort of like what, we thought they may have been more like as an expansion team than coming out guns blazes, right? Like it, this seems more like an expansion team feel, doesn't it? Absolutely. I think with a team that's not certain that you have top-end scoring talent, the best thing you can do is slow down your pace of play and just kind of you know control the puck as much as possible, don't give up much against, and then let luck sort of have its role to play. William Carlson, you know, shot the light at last season. That was never going to repeat, and it hasn't. So, yeah, this is kind of more the look of a team that has a bunch of grinders, some good, you know, secondary scorers throughout the lineup, but not a team that's an offensive, you know, firepower kind of team like they were last year. This is the kind of way that the Vegas Golden Knights, with the roster they have, can win as long as they can keep up this shot suppression. And and that hasn't wavered this season. That's been there all along. So I really expect them to look good going forward. Well, we look at the Pittsburgh Penguins here, and man, you talk about teams that you always talk about with with Vegas last year for years. It's always Sidney Crosby, right? Evgeny Malkin, the whole crew there in Pittsburgh have been so good for so long. Even when they start slow out of the gate, you just know they're going to pick it up and figure it out. This year, it's sort of starting to feel a little different. Do you feel the Penguins have finally slowed down on their league dominance? They definitely came out of the gate slow. One of my favorite charts to follow along and tweet out is 
the rolling averages of different stats, like expected goals and PDO and Corsi and all of that. And Pittsburgh, through October, right into November, they were trending down. They were giving up, you know, about a half a goal more per 60 than they were generating in terms of expectation. That's pretty bad. Um, and then since November, that's really turned around, and, and they've been trending positively again. So it's always tempting, I think, with a team like Pittsburgh to say, they're about to go the way of the Kings or the Blackhawks. These are dynasty windows that are closing. And I think Pittsburgh maybe is getting there with the age of some of their core members. But I don't think that they're there yet. The trends are positive heading through November and going into December for them. Uh, some of the underlying numbers that we look for for them are, you know, sort of so-so. They generate more quality than they allow against. They're one of the better teams in the league, sort of top 10 for that again. Uh, I never count out Jim Rutherford to, you know, go dig up a Tanner Pearson that's laying around for cheap to sort of add secondary scoring. For Pittsburgh, it's going to come down to can they get any goaltending at all? The jury's sort of been out on Matt Murray. Uh, I'm not sure that they've got anybody they can turn to that's reliable behind Murray either. If they saw their goaltending situation, this is a team that can sort of go trumping through the, the Eastern Conference again. Uh, without stable goaltending, though, this team is starting to look like maybe the dynasty window is closing. Hmm. In conversation with Sean Tierney of The Athletic and Hockey Graphs on Twitter, at Charting Hockey. Okay, so we, we'll, we'll shelve the, the Sabres talk for a moment. We're going to be talking about that throughout the show. But they've really been the surprise in the Atlantic. And coming into the year, a lot of us thought, well, maybe it's the Florida Panthers that could be the ones challenging the big three in Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Boston, making their lives a little more uncomfortable. But Florida just hasn't quite done that, right? They find themselves near the basement of the Eastern Conference at the moment. With a substantial amount of talent on that roster, why do you think they haven't been able to put the pieces together so far? So I went into the season thinking I wasn't very high on the Panthers. They've got some pieces in place in the forward court that look good. I wasn't convinced that Bugner was going to be the kind of coach that turned this team in the right direction just based on some of his off-season quotes and what he seemed maybe to be bringing to the team. At first, that was playing out, but as they've trended over time, their numbers are actually fairly strong. Their shot differential is a plus. They sort of trend in the, the good quadrant of the, the shot graphs that I like to tweet out. They're not setting themselves apart, but they're definitely above water there where they generate more shots for than they allow against. For them, part of the problem has been that their shot quality hasn't really been there. They tend to shoot a little bit more from distance. They tend to allow from a little closer in. And so that differential has really exposed their goaltending and, and sunk them into a bad spot. But if there's one thing that's got Florida more than anything else, it's been sort of a run of bad luck. For them, their save percentage is hovering just under 90% team-wide, five-on-five. There's only a handful of teams that have been as bad or worse at San Jose, Vegas, St. Louis, Ottawa. And then their shooting percentage has really fallen below average, too. They're under 7.5%. League average right now is just over 8.5%. And again, you're looking at some of the real poor names in the league right now, the LA Kings, Edmonton Oilers, Arizona, Carolina, these are the only teams that are shooting worse than Florida. So over a season, we expect those numbers to regress as long as the team just sort of keeps on playing games. Those numbers will move more towards average. If that happens for Florida, they're not going to be basement dwellers. I don't see them as a playoff heavyweight or a big contender, and they're in a really poor division. Uh, you know, if you're not a top team, that's a hard place to get out of right now. This is a team that will improve going forward, though. The shooting percentage and save percentage will bump up a bit, and we'll see more wins for them going forward. 
Sean, last one for you here. Let's talk a little Maple Leafs. Uh, Austin Matthews returned from injury this week. and uh, But the big story this season really offensively has been the duo of John Tavares alongside Mitch Marner. Both of them are putting up fantastic numbers. But of course, here on Hockey Analytics, it's always about sustainability. Is it sustainable? What could possibly slow down Tavares and Marner this season aside from injury? I mean, I don't see it right now. Tavares has come in basically as advertised. Yeah. So one thing I like to look at is the shot maps for players. Tavares is sort of known for being great at driving the net and creating really high-quality chances for himself. So far this season, he's completely delivered on that. He's generated about 13 expected goals, which is uh, has flirted sort of in the top three league-wide uh, for all skaters. So, you know, extremely, extremely good elite. And his rate of uh, generating these chances over time has been pretty steady. He's getting into the right areas. He shoots from about 23 feet out on average. That's about five feet or six feet closer than the average forward usually does. He's on target with 75% of his shots, which is, you know, very good for the distance he shoots from. So what we're seeing with Tavares is he gets to the net. He knows how to get there and he knows how to do damage once he's there. Marner is showing that that vision and that passing touch that he has is truly elite. And so I think this is a duo that's really going to be terrific going forward. I don't see how you stop it. An elite mind uh, like Tavares who's willing to get to the dirty areas, a great passer like Marner, it's basically a match made in heaven. And mm-hmm. if we have Matthews you know, coming back and on the Leafs roster going forward and they start to split up the defensive matchups that other teams throw at them, this is going to be sort of a terrifying offense the rest of the season. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, Sean, thanks, man. Great stuff as always. And everybody, make sure you're checking out Sean's graphs at Charting Hockey on Twitter. It's must-view Twittership. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know what I mean. At Charting Hockey. Sean, thanks so much, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me back. There he goes, Sean Tierney. Hockey Graphs, the athletic at Charting Hockey on Twitter. After the break, I will dip in. We'll go out to Beverly Hills, baby. We're going to L.A., Dr. Jay Calvert, the hockey doctor. We'll check in with him next. Stay tuned on TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara. Get me on Twitter at AndyMC81. On Instagram at AndyMCSports. You can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, the show page on TSN1050.ca. But very excited to welcome our next guest, a first-timer to TSN Hockey Analytics. It is Dr. Jay Calvert. Jay, welcome to Hockey Analytics. For those who don't know, you're a plastic surgeon located in Beverly Hills, but you're also a huge fan of the NHL to the point where you have your own podcast, Dr. Hockey. Can you give us just a bit of a backstory to your love of the game and how this podcast, which includes a special co-host, came to be? Yeah, well, this was a uh, this was sort of a brainchild of uh, kind of years and years of following hockey. You know, I grew up as a uh, kid in New Jersey watching a lot of very painful Ranger seasons. <laughs> and uh, after that, I, uh, I kind of got to Pittsburgh after a med school and, and watched the, the Rangers win the cup finally in my last year of med school. Went to Pittsburgh for my residency, watched the Penguins for seven years, came out to California. And at some point I was sitting at lunch with a good friend of mine, Joe Maloof. And he, I said, what are you guys doing after you sell 
the Sacramento Kings. He says, we're trying to get into hockey. Hmm. And I said, Joe, I'm your guy. Like hockey, that's my thing. That I am a great plastic surgeon. I love doing doing facelifts and breast dogs and nose jobs and all that. But hockey's my passion. I, I love it. Uh, like it's my second thing. And so anyway, I helped them basically formulate uh, a pitch to the NHL to get their team. And it was really fun. And they got the team. And Joe was like, you were right. They wanted all those things you said is exactly what they wanted to hear. And he said, you got to do something with your hockey knowledge. So I didn't know what else to do except every Tuesday after I finish operating, I get together with some of my friends and who include Kevin Connolly and Pat Brisson from around town and a bunch of uh, guys that we just love to talk about hockey. And Sean Pronger's on all the time now. And uh, John Blue, who's a goalie for the Bruins back in the day. And I'll tell you, we, we have a great time. I bet, man. Like that, that sounds like a half a crew to hang out with. Uh, so, so, Jay, when, you, when you're watching now, because of your medical background, your training, has it impacted in the way you watch hockey, like as, as a fan or, or when you're doing the show to, to dissect things a little differently? Absolutely. I mean, that's, the, uh, that's sort of one of the advantages, I think, when I'm watching the game. I kind of know when it, you start looking at stats, and, and I'm a huge data man, so I was excited you wanted to, to do this call. Um, you start seeing time on ice starts to make a big difference. You start to see, well, how soon did they come back after that injury? You know, and, and you can see it in, I mean, I can just name right off the, the bat, you know, Ryan Kessler's hip injury. You know, that guy's a different player. So my question always when I'm watching is like, okay, I know Kessler used to do one thing. What's he going to do now that he's gone through this this hip extravaganza. I mean, truly, this is a different player. And he's had to change his game. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people in the NHL are happy that he plays differently because he used to be a real pain to everybody. But <laughs> he's actually a different kind of pain now. And, and I can tell because of his injury, he's had to make massive adjustments. And that's always the case. In conversation with Dr. Jay Calvert on Twitter at Dr. Hockey Podcast. So in 2018, Jay, I think it's, it's hard to deny that the analytics world has had a significant impact on the NHL. When we started this show five years ago, it was right in that summer of analytics. And you had like the old school eye test guys versus the hockey nerds. But now we have it. it there, there is truly a blend and every team has an, uh, an analytics department dedicated to hockey data. So. How much does analytics influence your view of the game? Would you say you're, you're someone that's been ahead of the curve on the fancy stats or um, as, far, as far as using it as, as a, a viewer and for your show, is this something you've more recently come into? I mean, I think, you know, analytics has always been um, something I've looked at. It's clearly uh, a a talking point almost every night now yeah. on NHL. And I mean, any of the, any of the uh, podcasts that are, that are real data hounds, I mean, they, they just harp on this and, they, and they're into it. And I think it's great um, because it's very interesting to me, but it doesn't tell the whole story. Hockey is a team sport. And so individual stats and team stats are key, and they're good at looking for trends and looking at uh, the way that things are going to, to go, you know, on any given night. You can say, well, I, I, I mean, I can name examples. I remember one night the Ducks showed up in uh, – in uh, Vegas, and they said, oh, James Neal is out tonight. I was like, oh, well, the Ducks are going to win the game. I mean, I just like that, <laughs> like right there, I was like, well, that's it, because Neal was the problem for the Ducks, and now it's not going to be a problem. And they did. They won the game. And, and uh, so there are always these times where stats can weigh heavy on it, but it's not the whole story. And I think you have to kind of understand the way that 
you know, chemistry works between the teams. You have to understand that there are team mismatches. You know, it's why you can see like a last place team beat a first place team kind of handily sometimes. And you go, what happened there? And it's really because there's more to the story than just the data. Exactly. And that's why you have to blend it, right? That's why you have to have a blend of the old school guys. Okay, the chemistry on a team, the eye test, but use those numbers, use those deeper analytics to better research your opponent, to better self-evaluate yourself, right? Absolutely. And there's, and there's so much that, I mean, if you don't have a good handle on how to, how to look at these, you know, because like data is data. Right, and this right. is something, you know, I'm a, I'm a researcher. I've gotten, you know, grants from the Veterans Affairs. But, you know, the data is just data. How you interpret it, how you use it, how you choose to compare and look at things is really an art. And that's, that's different in, in hockey than, than it is in the uh, NFL, which is, you know, different, obviously, from you know, soccer. It, it, it really is all about the interpretation and understanding what it means. So, Jay, let's look at the Eastern Conference here for a bit. We're based out of Toronto, TSN 1050, right? So let's go to the Maple Leafs. And they're in the conversation for a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Do you feel they are truly a contender or that this group might be a little young still? Well, I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs at this point are a uh, a one, two, or a three contender for the Stanley Cup, depending on how you want to look at it. I think they have a very good chance of winning it this year. I think that they have all the... They have all the pieces that you would need, and it, it's going to come down to, as always, do they have a hot goalie going into the playoffs? Right, right. And if, if Anderson gets hot and is you know, able to back up you know, this team that's there now, and, and I think that there's a couple of moves they could make that could even increase their chances of winning a cup, this team is a definite cup contender. One more Eastern Conference question for you. And I don't know about you, but I'm still trying to wrap my head around the Buffalo Sabres actually being good. Like, that's, that's very different. That's hard to grasp. They just, <laughs> they just finished their 10-game win streak earlier this week. That's no small task, man, right? So you got guys like Jeff Skinner coming up big. Jack Eichel have been huge contributors. How would you handicap Buffalo's odds of earning a playoff berth? Because right now, they're clicking. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo, like, okay, I'll, I will tell you last, Last September, if you go back and listen to one of the first or second Dr. Hockey podcasts I did with Kevin Connolly before he disappeared back into the directing world, <laughs> he, he and I talked about Buffalo. And I, I said last year, with the move that they got Jason Palmonville and with Eichel playing the way that he was and Oposo, and I, I, kinda, I said, this is a team that I think has a shot at the playoffs. Well, they didn't do that last year. So maybe I was a little early on that, but they made a, a, a significant number of moves, and then they got this Darlene, and I think Eichel grew up. And, and this year, all of a sudden, all the things that they were doing last year came home to roost this year, and they are a good team. It is hard to wrap your head around because they were so awful last year. Yeah, but yeah. they have great players. The great players are playing well, and they're, they are, <laughs> they're beating Pittsburgh, and they're yeah. beating teams left and right. And like you said, 10-game winning streak. Like, what is that? Um, they are playoff contenders. They are not cup contenders. No, I'm with you. They're still a little bit away from that, but I'm sure Sabres fans will take a trip to the playoffs <laughs> over what they've been used to. In conversation with Dr. Jay Calvert on Twitter, at Dr. Hockey Podcast. Let's go out your way there into L.A. The California road trip. Jay, traditionally, has been just a dreaded trip for Eastern teams. You go the slog through L.A., Anaheim, San Jose, and it's just a death march. But this year, 
All right, we're seeing that the kings and ducks have fallen off. The sharks are not playing as well as many people would have thought prior to this year. Is it fair to say that San Jose is really the only California team that poses a threat out west? Or do you think the Kings and the Ducks have a bounce-back stretch left in them? I, I don't think the Kings have a bounce-back stretch. They are way too... Um, they are, they're mercurial. They, they, one night, they, you know, the other night they played Edmonton, they looked like they were you know, the, the Kings of 2012. And they, you know, last night in Edmonton, they, they looked like kind of the team we've been seeing lately. I think that the Kings are in a problem spot. I don't, I don't know how to remedy that for them. They have big-name players that, that on some nights play amazing and on other nights don't, so it's really difficult to, to manage that situation. Their cap is totally screwed up there, oh, yeah. so they're, they're in trouble. The Ducks, on the other hand, are missing Corey Perry. They're missing Cam Fowler. They're missing, you know, Lynn Holmes been injured. injured. Um, the Ducks could come out of nowhere. I, Randy Carlisle has a way of sneaking into the playoffs every year. I bet they do <laughs> it does. again, but they're no threat. <laughs> he um, does, doesn't he? And yeah. then looking at the, the Sharks, I, I wish for, you know, Jumbo Joe Thornton that they were going to be looking at some kind of, of cup action, but I just I don't think the Sharks have found a way to integrate uh, Carlson and Burns in a way that's truly effective. Yeah. Oh, well, Jay, it's been great having you on the show. Let people know where they can find all the info about you and about your podcast, Dr. Hockey. Fill us in. Sure. So the Dr. Hockey podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts. It's also on Google Play if you've got an Android. It downloads every Thursday. Um, we have also a YouTube channel where we, we tend to do video on, uh, on our in-studio podcast. So that's at at Dr. Hockey Podcast on YouTube. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you really can't find it. We have a website, which is drhockey.net, you know, because obviously you want to see the puck in the net instead of ah, .com. But uh, it, it's fun. We have a great time with it. And uh, love, to, love to chat anytime you want. Oh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate it. Take care. There he goes, Dr. Jay Calvert. How about that? Dr. Hockey Podcast. Got to check that out. We will step aside and wrap up the program next with some fantasy hockey talk from NHL.com fantasy hockey expert James Harding. That to wrap up TSN Hockey Analytics next on TSN 1050. Back to wrap up another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto. Get me on Twitter at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMCSports. And if you missed any of the show or want to go back and listen to any of the previous interviews from any of the weeks over the past five seasons, you can check us out on iTunes, subscribe and rate us there so you don't miss an episode. And, of course, on the TSN1050.ca show page. Well, it is that time of the week, folks, where... We get into some NHL fantasy hockey talk. But what isn't a fantasy is the great time you can have at Three Brewers Micro Brewery Restaurants, GTA. Why go book your office holiday or family celebration there today at Three Brewers. Great beer, great food, great time. So go out there. It's, it's a terrific spot. If you haven't been to one, go check it out. Three Brewers Micro Brewery Restaurants. Let's bring in my guy, James Harding from NHL.com for some fantasy hockey talk. James, welcome as always, my friend. How are you? I am doing well, Andy. Uh, I, I got uh, Austin Matthews back from IR in two of my leagues this week, and, <laughs> and he did pretty good the other night, so I, I'm, I'm happy right there. You're feeling good. Let's make our listeners feel good with... Stock up. Stock down. 
All right. Best thing in the business, buddy boy. Let's go. Stock up. Give me two stock ups for the weekend in fantasy hockey. Yeah, back-to-back weekends, we're actually heading out to Vegas. I wish we actually were heading out to Vegas, Andy, me and you. We'd have a good time out there. No. Uh, But back-to-back weekends, we're heading out to to Vegas for for stock up. Uh, This time, Alex Tuck, uh, five-game point streak right now, eight points, uh, three goals and five assists with uh, 11 shots on goal, skating on the second line out there with Max Pacioretty and Cody Eakin. Uh, That line is really starting to come together, uh, has been – producing very well for them lately. Obviously, the Golden Knights the last couple of weeks have just been on an absolute tear beating everybody. But Tuck has points in 10 of his last 12 games, uh, 15 points in that span. He's also skating on the first power play unit out there with uh, Pacioretty, Marcia so, Riley Smith, and Colin Miller. Uh, only 44% owned in Yahoo leagues right now. So I uh, love the breakout this year. Uh, of Alex Tuck out there in Vegas. And then my second stock up for the week, part of that trade that happened uh, end of uh, the weekend last week into Monday, Dylan Strom uh, for the now Chicago Blackhawks going from the Arizona Coyotes with uh, Brendan Perlini in the trade for Nick Schmaltz. Uh, Strom, two points in his Chicago debut, has three shots on goal in his first two games there. But... He's skating on the second line with Alex DeBrincat and Patrick Kane. Uh, the last time that he skated on the line with DeBrincat was when they were in juniors skating for Erie of the OHL. And uh, Strom in 35 games that season had 75 points. And playing a full season, DeBrincat had 127 points. So uh, those two have a little bit of scoring chemistry. I like where Strom is right now, and I really think – if he could hold on to that position and, and if they keep that line together, uh, they could be really something to look at going forward. I love those two stock ups, and they're going to be available likely on your waiver wire or at least have a good chance of doing that. So those are the stock ups. Give me two guys stock down who we need to stay away from. Yeah, yeah, stock down uh, out in San Jose this week. Evander Kane, uh, he has an assist uh, earlier in the week against the Maple Leafs but he only has points in two of his past eight games. Uh, signed that giant seven-year extension uh, in the offseason. He's 94% owned in Yahoo leagues right now, but he only has 16 points, uh, seven goals, and, and nine assists. Uh, you expect a lot more out of that from a player like Kane. He's struggled this year, hasn't really had a permanent lineup placement. They've had some injuries in San Jose's lineup uh, on and off. With, uh, with Joe Thornton missing some time, uh, Logan Couture, Joe Pavelski, they've, they've switched that lineup up a lot. Uh, he's skated with a lot of guys. So it may be a chemistry thing, or, or it may just be he's uh, you know trying too hard to live up to that contract, whatever it is. But I just haven't seen enough out of Evander Kane right now, uh, especially at 94% owned in Yahoo, to really give me any confidence in him going forward at the moment until he starts to get on a little bit of a run. And then the same thing in Philadelphia with Jacob Borachek, my second stock down of the week. He had a goal in his last game against Ottawa. That snapped a five-game pointless streak. He also only has uh, points in two of his past eight games since November 10th. Uh, 88% owned in Yahoo leagues, and his next three games against some pretty stiff competition in uh, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, so the, the cross-state rivals there. Columbus Blue Jackets, and then obviously, even though they just lost the other night, snapping that 10-game 
winning streak, the Buffalo Sabres uh, playing as well as anybody right now. So uh, tough opponents coming up for Jacob Voracek. I just don't see him turning it around enough right now for me to trust him. James, you mentioned uh, Evander Kane, 94% on. What do you do with him in your leagues? Is this some? I assume you're not going to drop him, but would you kind of look to maybe actively trade him because you'll be selling a little low, but is he worth trying to just get something for right now, or do, do you hold on? I think he still has the name value where you could try and shop him around and see what you can get for him, but I also think that the talent level is there, that he's kind of one of those guys you figure he has to snap out of it at yeah. some point, especially when you – Look at all of the pieces that they have on that team. You have Joe Pavelski. You have Logan Couture, Brent Burns, and Evander Kane, Yunus Donskoy. I mean, they, they, that's a loaded team out there in San Jose. You just have to figure that, you know, he, he's going to find his footing at some point. So I, I wouldn't drop him, absolutely not. But I'm either holding on to him or I'm trying to, to trade him right now and, and maybe sucker somebody into giving up a, a little bit more than he's probably worth at the moment on the premise that he's going to turn it around. That was Stock Up, Stock Down, brought to you by three brewers, microbrewery restaurants across the GTA, in conversation with James Harding from NHL.com, fantasy hockey expert and analyst on Twitter, at jharding underscore hockey. Okay, James, we've been talking a lot of league. Let's get to DFS. If we're playing DraftKings this weekend, we know we love the sleepers. We love the value picks. And really, those, we talk about it all the time on the show, right? Those differential points are the ones that win you contests. Who's your top sleeper this weekend? Yeah, I really like Scott Mayfield from the New York Islanders as a defenseman for your fantasy lineups in, in DFS. Uh, he has points in four of his past six games, uh, one goal, three assists, and he has 16 shots on goal in that span. He actually leads Islanders defenseman this season with 11 points, um, and, and he only had 12 points all of last year. So really having a kind of a breakout season, seeing an expanded role under uh, Barry Trotz in, in that Islanders offense this year. Um, you know, he's, he's moderately priced, so I really like where Scott Mayfield is. A tricky matchup against the Columbus Blue Jackets, but the Islanders are making their return on Saturday night to the Nassau Coliseum. That place is going to be sold out. It's going to be absolutely rocking. And I think the Islanders, just feeding off of the energy from that crowd, uh, are really going to come to play. And Mayfield has, has really been stepping up as of late, uh, playing very, very sound hockey. So I really like him as a, as a defensive sleeper in DraftKings this weekend. Well, James, you know if he's named Mayfield, I'm on board, right? For, for, absolutely. For my yeah, 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 yeah. They had a great <laughs> win last week. How about that one, huh? Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm popping Mayfield into my lineup, that's for sure. Uh, James, let's go to a couple of waiver wire pickups here and a position player and a goalie. Let's start with a let's start with the goaltending side, because if you're in your league, right, and let's say you're not satisfied, who are you liking off the waiver wire? Yeah, well, we talked about uh, Curtis McElhaney last weekend in Carolina and obviously with them waving Scott Darling earlier this week. It looks like it's going to be. McElhaney and Mrazek there, and it's going to be McElhaney's goal uh, for a while. So if he's available in your league, I like him. But I also like up in Edmonton, Miko Koskinen. Uh, only 42% owned right now in Yahoo leagues. He's won four of his past six starts and only lost one, the, one of the other two in regulation. Um, he's 10 starts in 11 games this season, 7-2-1 with a 2.26 goals against average and a 9.24 save percentage. Uh, vastly outplaying Cam Talbot right now. 
Talbot only has five wins in 15 starts this season, uh, a 329 goals against and an 889 save percentage. Uh, so Koskinen, at worst, has turned that into a timeshare, and it's really kind of leaning towards his net right now, especially with the fact that Talbot is a, a pending unrestricted free agent. So, um, you know, it's a big year for him up there, and uh, Koskinen right now playing very well, came over back over from playing overseas this year and uh, has really started to take the reins up in Edmonton. So, like I said, 42% owned, so he's still owned and uh, still available in the majority of fantasy leagues on Yahoo. So if he's there, I would jump on him right now. Beautiful. And give me give me a real quick one position player on the waiver wire. Yeah, I uh, love Nick Ritchie, uh, left winger from the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, back-to-back multi-point games and eight points in his past seven with 18 hits. Uh, so, so getting great category coverage there, skating on the second line with Adam Henrique and Andre Kasha out in Anaheim. So I uh, really love Nick Ritchie, only 7% owned right now in Yahoo. Beautiful. You always bring it, buddy. Thank you so much. People can tweet you their fantasy hockey questions at jharding underscore hockey. Of course, read all your great work at NHL.com on the fantasy side of things. James, thank you so much, bud. Absolutely, buddy. And uh, go Baker Mayfield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, go Baker Mayfield and go go the hockey Mayfield. Go all Mayfields this weekend. Let's do it. We'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. And there he goes, James Harding, NHL.com fantasy writer. All right, folks, that'll do it for another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. So for producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. Have a great week.